Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Alita Battle Angel, directed by Robert Rodriguez and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A cyborg is reactivated and given a new body by a doctor, but cannot remember anything of her past life. So now we're going to do a little spoiler-free section to let you guys know whether or not you should see Alita Battle Angel. Melissa? If it's your thing. It's not really my thing. It was not a not as bad as I was fearing it might be. It certainly got some fun points there, but it's, I, yeah, I think it's for fans of the original, or fans of the um, manga. I enjoyed it a surprising amount, but I was expecting to really not enjoy it and for it to be a real terrible mess Mm. and it wasn't completely only a real terrible mess there was some really fun stuff in it especially the visuals there are some very interesting stuff that he does with um, the visuals for the robots and all that sort of stuff in live action that looks really cool there's a lot of stuff of like dismemberment and people just like doing things while only body parts that's really interesting to me and really fun visually yeah um, that spider lady fight at spider lady bot cool. fight at the beginning is fantastic so like there is a lot of stuff that's not great, but I really enjoyed the interesting visual stuff. And I think he actually did a really good job directing it. Yes. I do think it's well directed. It's badly written, though. And it's I, very that's where badly I, it probably falls down for me. And that's always something that I get bothered by. But yeah, the way things look, and some of the actors as well, Rosa Salazar in the lead, Christoph Waltz as the doctor who repairs her, and Mahershala Ali as the villain, are all really very good. I even enjoyed Jennifer Connelly. Mm, yes, really. sorry, I forgot to mention her as um, well. So, like, there, there, there's definitely some like fun stuff in there. I just sort of had a bit of trouble kind of getting through it without kind of rolling my eyes and yawning oh, yeah. too much. But you know, like, if it's your thing, yes. If you're looking for something that's like not Oscar movie kind of stuff that's out at the moment, and you want something a bit different and a bit more actiony and fun, I think yes. But I'm also like, I don't have any particular investment in this movie. I don't either, but I I think, you know, the visuals really are worth seeing. They're really interesting. I actually kind of like Robert Rodriguez as a director. I've seen some things that aren't so good from him and some things that are good, but he definitely has a, a very unique visual flair. I like him better as a director than James Cameron, who is the main name on this that everybody is touting. And I'm like, yeah, but like. I'm, yeah, you know. like those visuals, um, which we'll describe in more detail later, like they're, they're from a director who really knows his stuff. Mm. Some of the the walking around the city at night stuff, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I I think to me that when I've had problems with Robert Rodriguez films, it's like been a, to do with the treatment of women in mm. those films or something like that. It's not necessarily his direction or his visuals or his style, which is not an issue in this. I actually think it treats its female characters very well. Yeah. Yeah, so should we get into spoilers? Yeah, I think we should, yeah. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Alita Battle Angel, uh, pause the podcast now and come back when you have. I think one of the things that actually dropped this film score for me is the fact that it doesn't have an ending. That really pissed me off. Yeah, it's like awfully confident in setting up for a sequel when this is a franchise nobody's really heard of outside of people who are very into manga um, it's it's a pretty famous anime. Like it's a, I've it's never a, heard of it. <laughs> so you and usually we would refer to the um, comics as manga and the um, the TV or movies. Or, I didn't know it had been made into a TV. I only knew it was a book. 
Yeah, so it, yeah, it, is, yeah. it is, has also been an anime that I think more people have seen. Yeah. And it's called Battle Angel Alita. I don't know why they changed it around. It sounds better this way. <laughs> I guess so. I'm so used to hearing it the other way. Oh, again, I have I literally never heard of this thing ever in my life. Yeah. So, so to me, it sounds much better to put the person's name first and then the thing that it's about. Yeah, I think that's more. it's more of a sort of a anime-ish yeah. convention but you know given how many of those they go with for yeah this movie. so because that ending the lack of an ending to me is very comic booky like co- to me that's one of the things i find hard about comic books is they don't really have endings because mm. there's always another one to come and so yeah that that was a bit frustrating it's ve- it's particularly frustrating to me because it seems like it's going towards an ending mm. and then it just doesn't happen and that really irritated me i was like because i was kind of amped for what was going to happen next and then it just kind of stops. Yeah, and despite the fact that there are quite a few sequences that drag in this film, it's actually a short movie, like it's an hour and a half or so. So there was, I think, it feels like it's building up, like we've had a big third act start, like a, a, a precipitating event, and we're going to build up to a bigger finale, and yeah. it doesn't quite happen. Yeah, and there's a the bit, the fact that um, 90s boy band hair, mm. Like the, the dies, male lead dies is brought back and dies within a ten minute span, fifteen minute mm. span, and then the movie just ends. Was like, what was the point of that? Mm. That was so frustrating to me, um, and such a like waste of what they had built before that. Yeah, because like, in spite of the fact that I think it's really melodramatic and over the top and silly, and I don't particularly like him, I actually think the love story wasn't too bad. <laughs> I, it was actually really quite nice. It's kind of compelling. Yeah. If it had been a different actor in that role, it could have been really interesting. Yeah, because it gender flips a lot of things that no, you, you normally see in movies. Like she's the special, she's the chosen one, mm. he's the damsel in distress. He has to be the person who teaches her everything that he knows mm. in terms of like the motorball and all that stuff mm. for her to be special, which I really appreciated because mm. – like a lot of the time in movies, you get this ordinary guy, the girl, yeah. great, fantastic girls teaches him everything and he gets to be special. Yeah, that's right. So I really appreciated that part of it. And yeah, like he's a bit floppy eyed and whatnot, but she's so compelling that, it's, mm. that it all works. I did though, I, something last night that has completely recast the way I, I looked at the way the way they made Alita because she's played by uh, Rosa Salazar, which is a is a motion capture performance. Mm. And what they've done when they made her from, you know, human actress who was actually doing the work on set to what we see on screen, they've whitened her face. Like they made her look so much less Latino than she actually is. She actually looks like a white girl when she's in the cyborg guys. And it made me real mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't I, know it go watching the film, so I just sort of took it as, as it was when I was watching it. And I, I still really like her, but I just like, that is not good. No, it's really frustrating. And it's re- there's a lot of stuff about that, not just that they made her look less Latina, but they also like narrow her face and yeah, make her skinnier make pointier. and, and mm. make her mouth more dainty when she's eating things mm. and all this stuff. And I'm like, but all you're doing with all of that is making her look less real and less relatable as a person. Yeah. Like when you're prettifying her, you're making her less of a like less relatable and there's this nonsense line that the boy has mm. where he goes you're the most human person i've ever met and i'm like based on what parameters 
what, yeah. what are the parameters for that? What what is the what is the makeup of humanity that you are using in order to declare her the most human person that you've ever no, met? No, th- there was like, nothing to show that because like when that happens in other things, like I, I'm thinking of like I don't know the end of Wrath of Khan. Um, you have been and always will be my friend. The whole setup is that Spock is logical and clinical and he's not so good at the emotional stuff and the whole movie demonstrates and the sacrifice play at the end demonstrates, sorry, spoilers for Wrath of Khan, demonstrates how human he is and so we can have, you know, a, a line about him being more human. It's earned. Mm. But she's like, she's just this girl we've been following and she's fun and she's engaging and she's in having an interesting time in the world. She's shown absolutely no more or less humanity than other cyborgs that we see wandering around on the street or humans. Yeah, that's it's like more she than, doesn't show any of that. It's more about than humans, I think. Yeah. Like it's the decision that she's the most human person in spite of the fact that all the people around her seem to be pretty human and she seems to also be pretty human. Mm. Like this movie doesn't really go into what makes us human a lot. No. The themes of it are different from what makes us human. It's established pretty quickly that we are all to think of her as essentially human. Yeah. Right? And and she's shown to be someone who has flaws and things that she does, like that, that they are human characteristics that, you know, never give upingness and the always fightingness. That's a very human thing to do. But it's shown like humans are – have all kinds of quirks Mm. and she's just another person who's got mostly good things and also bad things and quirks and weirdness and like that's just how she is nothing nothing special um but it's also like that the movie sort of tries to show that like humans come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and abilities and all that and part of the reason that the way they they um whitened her face the way they did is that they're implying that humans come in all kinds of shapes and colors and sizes and abilities, but cyborgs, cyborgs are all pretty white ladies who are very slim. And like there, there are some male cyborgs who've got different body types. I'm actually fairly certain that, oh, <laughs> just go back to that, the male body type cyborgs in a minute. I'm fairly certain that um, it's Aza Gonzalez who plays her trainer lady yes, in the flash. Yes, so yes. it seems to imply that all of her type of robots were latina yeah but which is interesting but it's made it, they made this deliberate choice to make her face whiter and thinner and yes yeah it's so weird yeah but like why cast latina women and then i mean i'm very very glad face? they did cast latina leads but like also yeah why yeah i, I yes there's I, because, I, there's a lot of problems i have with the whole the um prettification of her and the, the eyes mm. there's this bit where where floppy boy band hair is like close your eyes and i was like they're freaking me out because there's <laughs> moments when you just like it doesn't look right it kind of looks like a real life frozen or something yeah and you're like people don't look like that it's still freaky and weird and and like it's not like the a bunch of the other cyborgs have that why did they make this group of cyborgs giant eyed I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. And all female. Like, can you imagine going to a movie and seeing a male character who looks like that? You never would. You would never – making their eyes bigger is just not something. And it would be creepy. Yeah. It wouldn't come across it's as cute. It's creepy with girls too. Yeah. That's, that's it wouldn't come across as cute the way it's supposed to here. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, the, the infantilization sort of stuff. Mm. But um, 
but also the thing is in anime everybody does have the big eyes yes so like it doesn't stand out that is the that is or that's manga. the drawing style exactly that's the drawing style so to make her single her out by having that singles her out further than she needs to be mm. like it feels like she should be able to fit in fairly well mm. but everybody's treating her like she fits in fairly well but you're like but look at her eyes look at them they're yeah. weird she has weird big eyes yeah, and yeah why is nobody noticing this and also like I, I watched the whole beginning of the movie and you see so many people with prosthetic limbs and yeah I'm like, why does so many people have prosthetic limbs there's a thing later on where it talks about like zolom only wants your body parts or something i think that mm. there's an implication that it, they take body parts to re- refresh their own body parts yes. in order to stay alive and and like bodies like girls are being murdered and dis- dismembered but mm. we don't it's never really stated that these people have had their body parts taken by zolom and mm. you'd think that would be a bigger deal you'd think like it, it's not it's something that Mahershala Ali reveals at the end as a big reveal. And I'm like, every third person on that street seemed to have a, a prosthetic cyborg body part. Mm. Like, all of those people are just having their body parts shipped off to Zolom and nobody talks about this? Yeah, like, it, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was just thinking that, oh, this society is so much more advanced. If something goes wrong with your arm, you, you just kind of get it amputated and put a new one on. But, yeah, you're right. It is. They're clearly being stolen, which is, I don't know. Um. Yeah, th- there's a few things <laughs> where every so often they sort of just do something, and I'm like, this doesn't go. This doesn't go with the rules that we've established, and you haven't explained any of this. No. The bit where she goes into the water to the ship. Yeah, yeah. We've had no indication of what her abilities are. Right. Yeah. Like the fact that she can just go into the water, walk along the seabed, and then pop up in the ship. You're like, she needs to eat. She has a human brain and heart. She doesn't need to breathe? Yeah, the heart is artificial. But Oh, right. The heart is artificial. So she has a human brain. She has a human brain, but her, uh, her body lungs. is enti- – well, this is the thing. Her body is entirely made. Like the doctor – what's his name? Dr. Christoph Waltz made it, made the body from scratch. So, like, why does she need to eat? Like, if she's eating, clearly she must also poop. Like, what <laughs> – she, she's got no but but we see her heart her heart is made of metal yeah and like you know has some flux capacitor in there running it but she likes to eat eating is delicious for her but her body how does the body process all that stuff and he and says she, if she doesn't have and she probably doesn't have lungs right which makes walking in water walking underwater makes sense but like yeah he and then they they um boy band hair goes how long do you think she can hold her breath for so she breathes yes well also when she gets out of the water she lets out a big breath that she'd been holding in so clearly she breathes and but is like has an extra capacity to hold breath yeah but yeah so because usually we would Mm. breathe in after coming out of the water she breathes out it it is so confusing as to like why does she why is she able to eat and why and ito um which is christopher christoph waltz's clearly non-japanese name um, yeah says that she needs to eat yeah um yeah like, he makes her eat dinner yeah as well as like giving her the orange so she food still somehow powers her body yes so it was weird to me that we'd never been ex- had this explained to us how she breathes and then mm. she's just walking around underwater like it's no big deal yeah um so clearly this body that he's made for is like part biological and part mechanical and also coming back to the she poops thing i did also make a note that was like how does she have sex 
Mm. We've seen that area of her. There seems to be nothing it's there. It's a that doll down there. That she could Barbie have doll. sex. Like, no. And she's in this relationship with a human. Oh, God. And when she gets the Martian technology body and it, like, molds itself to be the size that it wants to be on her and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The, uh, the ultra convenience of Maybe this. Maybe it molds genitals. Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, the ultra convenience of this um, technology making her skinny again. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Um, yeah, that icked me out a lot. And then she gets into this ship. And she gets into the command center and there's all this technology. And I'm like, has anyone even tried to get in there? Yeah, right. Like people still, surely people still have boats. Yeah. Like there's ways. It's not like insurmountable that humans could get to that ship and maybe go through and scavenge it, especially in a society like this where they literally live off scavengings. But also like there's, there is technology. Yeah. Surely they have breathing apparatus for underwater still. Yeah, well, their, their technology is supposed to have gone – it's set in like 2500 and around 2200 there was supposed to have been uh, the fall, right? So they they have all the technology that has happened up to the year like 2250 or something. And the fall is the is those – like the, all those sky the cities sky were cities. built before that. Yeah. And the fall is so all of them falling on top got, of the cities like, and wiping them out. Whatever technology they have is still like 200-odd – more years advanced than what we have. I'm sure they have scuba stuff mm. and like James Cameron submersibles, which we know he's very into. Yes. Um, and then like when we went to the motorball, there's a lot of me screaming about what are the rules of yeah. this game? What are the rules? Because like I thought I knew what the rules were. Yeah. And then they talk about all this other stuff that I'm like, wait, what? these are all perfectly fine things to do in this game and well I, yeah i don't know what the rules are as to what you can do to other people but it seems like a bunch of people chase a ball and put it in a hole yes. like that's the basics of it but there's all clearly there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rules around what you can do to one another but it's not just that it's like what are the like it, it kind of looks like roller derby yes a where lot. there's one person who but in roller derby i think you have one person who goes out in front yeah and then there's a chaser team yes i watched whip it i know this stuff and then the chaser team tries to go out and get the ball from the yes or knock down the person in front or whatever yeah, it is yeah you try getting it off each other yeah whereas yeah. this one just seems every person for themselves yeah yeah the ball is just it, it it's like it's Greyhound like racing. Seven people all going after the ball and doing whatever they can to each other. It it seems like Mario Kart is yeah. what it reminded me of. But there was there's more like when the guy is commentating, he's talking about all these things mm. that imply that there are rules. Yeah. Um but like oh oh and also what are the rules about how you win and how mm. you progress to the next round and all that. Also the tryout is one person. Against it, like seven people. Do they yeah. do this for everybody? They have one person at a time tryouts for this role, like, and anybody can just try out. Or does Mahershala Ali go around hand picking people who can try? Like, all of this stuff is is so many never questions. explained. I will say about rollerball though, one of the best shot scenes was early on that pickup game. Mm. So beautifully done. Like, um, there's moving camera, but it's really fluid movement, mm. and it looks so good. And I also think. That pickup game was done, you know, practically in camera, whereas mm. when you get to the professional level, it's all lots of shiny and chrome. Mm. And so it's more sort of CG-ish. If, even if it's, you know, even if stuff, stuff was done practically, it just looks more CG, whereas it just looked more practical um, when it was a street game. 
even when it is all CG, though, I really appreciate, especially if you look at Robert Rodriguez as a director as opposed to James Cameron when using CG, what I really appreciate about Robert Rodriguez's CG is that we can always see what's happening. Yes. There's never a moment when it's so chaotic that I'm like, I don't understand what's happening at the moment. Mm. Um, he uses that slow down, speed up, um, super um, um, DC universe type thing to good effect mm. to show us what is happening in the moment. Yeah. Um, actually, and I yeah. really appreciated that because there's so many movies that we've seen where you just can't tell what's going on at all, like Venom and stuff. Where yeah. It's like well, it's total one of the things, screen chaos. We never actually reviewed it, but one of the things I really liked about Bumblebee was in the big final battle, you can see everything that's going on. Yeah. Like, it's so basic, but it's like you can see it. Um, I'm just thinking of Aquaman as well, where like there's some early scenes that are really beautiful James Wan-ish fight scenes, mm. but that last cgi battle is just like oh god who wait where's that where did that come from kind of stuff there's actually a few like that you know when when they first get attacked by patrick wilson yeah um anytime there's multiple um targets yeah it's just attackers on the screen uh, you get so used to that that bad cg that when when someone does it well you're like oh wow i'm so glad i i I could tell who all of her opponents were in that game they all looked a bit different and you could tell where she was and when she left the the main track and all that stuff. Yeah, and they all have different abilities that work differently, mm-hmm. you know, in combat. Really interesting stuff. Yeah. There's too many characters in this movie. Yeah. And we're but, expected yeah. to remember these minor yeah. characters, but also then not think Jai Courtney is going to show up again. Yes, that's right. Yeah, random Jai Courtney in the middle of um, – Very I mean, weird. Bit of a, a bit sort of, you know, comic book problems in that mm. there's just huge universes and, and we – that are well beyond the scope of one movie. But. Yeah. Well, I'm also thinking of um, Jeff Fahey, who's in one scene scene who is the um cowboy guy with all the dogs oh he's my fave <laughs> right and he's like that guy wasn't a dog lover from lost which is uh, why i remember yeah. who he is yeah and and he is great yes but we never see him again for some reason no, and then no. some of those guys then show up later at the um at the motorball mm, mm-hmm. And the only reason that I even remembered was because I realized that Screwhead was one of them oh. because she was relatively memorable because she had a big thing Screw in her head. head. Yeah. <laughs> so her name matched who she was. Yeah. So when I saw her again, I went, oh, Screwhead. Yes. <laughs> that was easier to remember. There was also an Asian guy who, like, I only sort of remembered. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it's quite hard to piece together all of this stuff yeah i just went oh asian guy he's not rick Yoon. why do i care because yeah. rick Yoon is also in that scene and only in that one bar scene and i'm like yeah why would you get rick Yoon in who is like an incredibly talented gorgeous man for one scene who can do martial arts for just that bar scene just to be a nameless antagonist i'm, I'm so glad you pointed that out that was him because i was like oh who's that handsome man which is what i do when i see rick Yoon. and then i was like and then I never saw him again. He's so dreamy. I love Rick Yoon. Yes. <laughs> oh, so I many also, weird things. Um, I was like going through the IMDb a bit. I, ah. I first did it when um, Bumblebee guy showed up. Yeah, yeah. So Jorge Lindbergh or something like that. Yes. Who um, played. Bumblebee's best friend. Yeah. He played um, the love interest in Bumblebee mm. where I thought he was fairly weak, mm. but I thought he was much stronger than floppy hair in this one so yeah. i wonder if maybe just the bumblebee role was a bit underwritten or something yeah and we also have speaking of like reasonably big name actors and tiny roles lana condor in like a tiny a tiny part is another one of the friends in that group yeah well yet another movie ra- wasting lana condor they had her as jubilee in that x-men movie and she barely is in it and i'm like 
what? You cast Lana Condor as Jubilee and you didn't use her. And she had, like, have you seen her character design in that movie? It's yeah, yeah. amazing. She's very memorable. You, you could have done so much with her. She's so talented. <sighs> so frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did actually write a note that was like, yet another movie that wastes Lana Condor and Rick Yoon. Yeah. Um, I did wonder if that other Asian guy might be one of the guys from The Raid or something like that. Oh, but I'm that's not why sure. you he, recognize him. Um, yeah, he looks sort of vaguely familiar, but not in a I've seen him in lots of things way. But I don't know. No, I don't know either. It took me a long time to figure out as well. Like they put this symbol on everything. This like, I only noticed it because it was on the chocolate. It's like a, I don't know how you would describe it. It's like a cross, but a really stylized one. And then you've got the, oh, um, I, I noticed it because it was on the chocolate and I noticed the chocolate and then I saw it popping up. It's, I just thought there were squares of chocolate. But yeah. Anyway. So it's on the um the building where she goes to become a hunter killer and oh. it's on the lab where Mahershala Ali and Presumably Jennifer Connelly work. Presumably it's the symbol work. of Mahershala Ali's company. Well, it's the symbol of the factory. The factory, right. Which is really confusing because we don't know what the factory is. No. It is talked about a few times as seeming to be like some sort of overlord thing and maybe nova is the head of the factory yeah but it's very hard to distinguish between zolom the sky city yeah and the factory and what exactly the two roles play and things yeah, like that yeah. yeah it's just too much information it is, there is a lot going and, on and none of it's properly explained yeah no wonder i got bored there's um, also some very weird things like that wanted poster that's like wanted Murder six human females. I'm like, do they want somebody to murder yeah. six and human females? I think it emerges later that women are being murdered and this is the wanted poster for the person who has already murdered six women. Yes. But it does. it's not clear because they no. don't make a proper wanted poster, which is very strange. It's weird. It really does look like they want somebody to murder six women. Yeah, yeah. Um, in and the middle that, of this scene with the dog the, and the thing. The dog, yeah. and there's so much going on. Yeah, no, I just so much going on. And I just I'm just looking through my notes and like I just have so many bad lines written down. <laughs> like even first up, what is this? Magic? No, something stronger. Engineering. Like that's literally my first one. And then there's you gotta stay focused on your dream, which yeah. is pretty comes pretty early. That one as well is oh, this there I do have a favorite line though. I, and I don't know the actress who says it, but you're so beautiful. I want to rip you open and see if you're ugly on the inside like the others. That's the spider robot yes, lady. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's only in one scene and she completely steals that steals that mm. scene. And the visuals of that fight when she clings up onto the wall it, and the way that her head gets smashed into the wall is so cool. Oh, that whole that that whole bit is so amazing. Because right before that, it goes really Blade Runner. Yeah. With um Christoph Waltz walking around in the night and then women like who are wearing stockings, walking home at night and all this kind of stuff. And it is so – that fight is so amazing. It's a very comic booky, but it's like real good comic book. Yeah, and it's gorgeously shot. The lighting in those scenes is – I wrote the lighting is delish. Yeah, like Robert Rodriguez really knows how to shoot a night scene like beautifully. Yeah, um, I really appreciated that. Also, I really appreciated how well all the black people that were in this movie were lit Properly. <laughs> after seeing Green Book. Um, yeah. Mahershala Ali looks amazing in this movie. He looks amazing in this movie. Oh, God, he's so great. And he's got a very, like, a very unified aesthetic. Like, mm. he's always in these buildings that are, like, brutalist architecture, like big columns of concrete and large windows. And his suits are all, like, there's no um, angles or anything. Like, it's all straight lines and... 
really sort of smooth length and he always looks so sharp. Super fabulous. It's amazing. Yeah. And he is like, this is why you invest in someone like Mahershala Ali for this movie because he gives a, a performance that is just wonderful and reminded me a bit of Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending in that it's a year when they're nominated for an Oscar for a worthy movie that's not very good, but then they give a great performance in an in action movie, that, movie that's yeah. not very good. I mean, the, yeah, he has possibly one of the greatest death scenes seen in a movie in recent times. So uh, he's been possessed by Nova at the time. And he just the way he delivers the line, ooh, that seems fatal, yeah. is freaking just got such a big laugh. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to also say that line you were talking about, you got to focus on your dreams. Oh, God, yeah. It, it's not just the line by itself. It's not log- – it doesn't logically follow the lines mm. before. Like there's there's four lines in a row that don't all quite follow each other. No. They don't have like a logical, natural progression, conversational yeah. progression. And you're like – what are you talking about? But that happens quite often. And it is that, like, it, the dialogue is is so anime to my ears. Uh, like the one that you said first, oh, that something better engineering Was this line. magic? No, something better engineering. Yeah, that is like, I can just hear that being in something like Avatar, The uh, Last Airbender. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's got really that kind like- of – Avatar and Korra, though. I do, too. That's literally the only anime I've got any experience with. And they um, are written by people who speak English. Yes. Um, So it's not... It's not quite as glaring, although mm. it's this. It's that stylized. Yeah, the way that it's well, stylized. Because I just found another like one. That. I'm not trusting my future to a piece of iron. That again, it's quite yeah weird. Yeah, I can see it work uh, fitting in an anime. And there's also some scenes we were talking about um, when we were driving home from the movie last night. Christoph Waltz, some of the lines sound particularly weird in his mouth because of, he's um, got an accent. He's not a native English speaker, so he speaks a little slower mm. when he says some of these lines. And they, they sound even sillier because they're not like they're, – they're just – they really stand out. Yeah. I did, however, notice that Christoph Waltz's accent has – changed quite a bit from when we were first introduced to him he's yeah. gotten much better at english i mean his english is like and has always been very fluent it's just that like he still he still still speaks with an accent and he also speaks a little slower than a native speaker yes. would yeah no I like mean, most it's always, germans he's his english is pretty amazing it's always been good but his accent has decreased yeah, like yeah, he yeah. sounds more natural now even though yeah. the lines weren't very natural his his accent is mm. more naturalized yeah. now than yeah. it used to be is all i meant <laughs> But um, yeah, his his scenes like you do actually feel the rapport between him and Rosa Salazar oh, quite well. Uh, but yeah, that some of the dialogue in those scenes is super cringy. It just sounds so unnatural. It's just that kind of stiltedness that I can really hear being in a in an anime, and it's because they the way they dub it and they're translating it from Japanese to English, so mm. the, there's not always a direct translation that works nicely. Yeah, and you can really hear it quite often especially mm-hmm. from the actors who aren't so good you, i never really felt it with rosa salazar yeah but she's very talented I, I was actually really excited to see something in which christoph waltz wasn't like the straight up villain yeah um, me too it, he, he was, was just sweet. a decent guy and i liked the relationship with him and rosa salazar and also um with jennifer Connolly when she came in like the way she was sort of on the periphery of that relationship 
yeah, their their relationship was quite interesting too. There was a little slut shaminess I thought at the beginning of the movie, but then they kind of redeem her by the end, so I didn't mind it so much. Yeah, I mean, there is a scene, yeah, where she's like laying on the bed in um, suspended tights. Yeah, but I was, I was like, well, that's okay, sure, I guess we can do that. And she and looks great. But- I suspect like disabled folk might have a bit more to say about the daughter and the way that works because the daughter was a wheelchair user and he built a body for her so she could walk again or Mm. so she could walk but before that could happen she was murdered and obviously like their marriage fell apart and all that kind of stuff like there's a i think a little interesting sub story over there but i Mm. don't really know enough to fully get into that yeah all that sort of tragic stuff although there is a um there's also an implication that zola might be quite into the sort of eugenic yeah well that was the thing like i was wondering if it's a little bit of a flip of the story that we usually see which is that disability is the tragedy and in this case the tragedy sort of not directly but sort of stems from the fact that they were trying to overcome the disability with by building her a body Mm. so i think there is something interesting there but i'm i'm not necessarily informed enough to be able to make like that commentary very well yeah um i just remembered that joker cyborg Thing. like the guy who he looked so much like like jack nicholson's joker or something like that yeah and he seemed like he was directly doing that performance yeah um which was interesting and then yeah. i wrote in that scene someone's having fun about all three of the actors playing cyborgs in that scene which are spider robot lady joker cyborg and jackie earl haley <laughs> as this massive massive guy like the thing is, it was really weird because I was like, I'm sure I know that face, right? Yes. But like, he, I did does, the same. he looks so much unlike Jackie Earl Haley because he's got so much more face. Yeah. And so much more body. Like, Jackie Earl Haley's a small man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to see. Yeah, it was. You, I was like thinking through all like the big wrestler types who yeah. work in movies. And I'm like, no, it's not him. Oh, nope, not him. And yeah, it, it was a little bit weird. No, they were having so much fun. And, um, is, Oh, yeah, no, that, I was like, is it Ed Screen in that scene? No, it's not Ed Screen. It's nice. the other guy, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Ed Screen is in this too. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I know he's a good guy, right? Like, it seems like Ed Screen's a really good guy. There's a story about him backing out of a movie because he discovered that the role that he was going to be playing was actually yes. written Asian. Oh, and, that's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, and he, from what I've heard, he seems like a really swell guy on set, but he's just never been impressive to me i thought he was quite funny in that role like he was not much of a villain but he, i did find him quite funny i i wonder if he should do like a like to me he's like a poor man's jason statham right oh okay like they're going for the same like they see him as as being jason statham me in that he is british and has a similar accent mm. and sort of a similar kind of yeah. look. Like his teeth are a bit crooked and he looks kind of tough. But I feel like maybe he should move into like try and do something a bit comedy or something because mm. he seems not to take himself too seriously. Well, and he's oh, and he very also, funny. He was a transporter. So in the transporter uh. series, they hired him to replace Jason Statham directly. Right, right, so right. they definitely like that's yep. how Hollywood seems to see him. But he's nothing like Jay. I don't. Like he doesn't give me Let's a vibe be, that Jason Statham like is also best when he's doing funny stuff. Um, he is, but, but he can do action he, stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, and he can be menacing and scary. Yeah, whereas Ed Screen, he's more on the like, I don't know, I don't want to say Tom Hiddleston, but like because he's not quite that either. But there are a few other like British actors who 
British character actors who'll pop up doing those sort of comic relief, slightly bad guy roles. Yeah, I yeah, and he kind of fits that mold. You know what he? You know how I, we've been watching those movies and we're like, there's that one pretty guy mm. who is boring. Oh, Joe Ordinary. Yeah, or somebody like that, yeah. or like the the um the slimy prince guy in Outlaw King yep. that I thought was not very good. Yep. I feel like Ed Screen could maybe do those kinds of roles quite well. Yep. I feel like he could be slimy and creepy quite well, but he doesn't do menacing very no, well. I never no, no. feel menaced by him, and he always plays these the big bad guy. Like, he's yeah. the main bad guy in Deadpool yeah. and never felt very scary. Yeah, creepy and ridiculous is where yeah, he kind or, of and that, sits. that vein thing worked really yeah, well for but him in this. that said, taking it him as a sort of comic character, it's – kind of funny the way she is with him and you know slicing off his face and yeah. stuff taking his sword um also um, um when she does go into that bar and becomes you know a leather jacket guy a leather jacket person goes yeah. out and gets herself a leather jacket so she's fully capable of being a hunter killer now like if you're gonna be a bounty hunter you need a leather jacket yes. and a hat if you're christoph waltz i mean the leather hat, I'm pretty leather sure. That's amazing. Jacket. I know. Um, but yeah, that's really funny to me. But when um, that whole fight scene, mm. that whole scene is great. I took almost no notes on the whole, like, right, the whole progression of it. I did laugh when the updated Jackie Earl Haley came in because I was like, this is, it's just dumb now. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. He was already, like, he walked in like he was Kingpin in that, in yeah, Into yeah, the Spider-Verse, yeah. like a big block yep. man. Yes, um, that's what, that was my first thought as well. Um, I'd also been watching um, Umbrella Academy all day, and there's uh, a character in that that has this massive body that, like, he puts all these layers on, and you're like, you still look like a massive person. There is no hiding the fact that you are not normally proportioned here. No, no. But, um, yeah, when he comes in and, and the fight, how the fight progresses from there and the killing the dog, which is thankfully off screen. Yeah. The little ugly, cute dog that I loved. Yeah. <laughs> And then the fight progressing down and her getting chopped up and all that. It's so good. Mm. The whole, like, the sequence and the way the fight works and all that stuff is really on point. It's really nice. So well put together, yeah. Um, And also she just discovers she's wrong. Mm. Like, she's just wrong to try and get these people on side. And, you know, she I like watching her make bad choices. Uh, too often in movies now they try to make their heroine perfect by never making any bad choices ever. This is why she's a really refreshing heroine because mm. she does mess up and she does have like characteristics that uh, work against her, like the whole have to keep going, can't can't walk away from any kind of fight ever. Like that, the things that she does that are very human. I, I really liked the way she was written. Not her lines, <laughs> but the way she was written. <laughs> the character I liked. The character, yeah, the that might be the word. The lines for pretty much everybody were – there's a couple that Jennifer Connelly says as well that you're like, really? Yeah. That's not at all natural nope. or right. No, very few. And, yeah, these, like, very famous actors in very small parts kind of <laughs> grappling with these um, Ed Norton. Oh, yes, apparently. the Ed Norton reveal at the end of he's Nova. Um, yeah, we see him this a, a little bit through the movie. Mm. Like, every so often we kind yeah. of see him. But, like, it's not at all immediately immediately obvious that he's Ed Norton to the point where I didn't realize he was Ed Norton until you told me in the credits. I was like, oh, because for some reason I, I was just stuck on the idea that he was um, Data. What's oh, his name? Um, I can't remember. And I knew he wasn't because yeah. he was too young and he yeah. doesn't really – but like the hair kept screaming Data to me. Uh, What's right. his name? I should know this. Yeah, I can't I – can't, 
um, off the top of my head remember. But, yeah, I it was sort of one of those things, though, where, like, again, it doesn't have a proper ending because you reveal a relatively big-name star at the end playing the bad guy. Like, it's just the whole thing just feels like it's set up to have another movie. And, like, that is a level of confidence that I'm not sure is justified. <laughs> this is, like I said, this is not a known franchise to anyone outside of people who follow anime. It's coming out in February. Like, this is, you know, mm. it's got some great actors in it and obviously they put some money into it, but, like, the confidence that you will definitely get a sequel is, uh, I, I don't know if I want to say misplaced, but it is, well, that's a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, Brent Spiner. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Um, God, I was, for a minute there, I was like, Alan Rickman. <laughs> he plays Data in um in Galaxy Quest. He's, the character's not called Data, but he plays the Data-like character. In Galaxy Quest. Oh, he's the Spock character in Galaxy Quest. I Data's thought. the Spock character in TNG. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, the ending, the fact that Dinan just made me yeah. angry. And her cutting her tear in half. Every <laughs> so know. often. Like, okay, it's a cool visual flair, but it's dumb. Yeah. Oh, and the when she's holding um, floppy hair as he dies, like... God, and the lines that are exchanged then. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. There's, yeah, part of me was like, you know, this is kind of a good gender flip, but also part of me was like, oh my God. Yeah. Where's Mahershala again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need some adult intervention here, although it does feel very teenagery a lot of the time. Yes, they do feel very teenagery, those two. Yeah, there is definitely a, like, it doesn't feel like adults writing teenagers. These guys felt like. They teenagers. were teenagers making yep. mistakes and making poor choices and yeah, yeah. getting fixated on certain things yeah. and, and over-investing over in their first love, Yeah, which, you know, I, I kind of liked their little teenage gang. Yeah, um, it was sweet. Just the main guys. I don't remember his name, but he's not. Yeah. Definitely um, not up Kian to the challenge at this point. Something. Anyway, the character's name is Hugo. But yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So shall we rate this movie? <sighs> yeah, sure. I really can't go any more than about two stars for it. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to go two and a half because I enjoyed it more than you did. Yeah. Um, for what it was. I really did. I think the visuals are great. Mm. Um, and I feel like Robert Rodriguez kind of did the best he could with what he was given. The plot's yeah. all over the place too. Yes. We didn't even get started on that. But like oh God, they, no. they suddenly reveal things halfway through that are really important at the end and all this sort of thing. I um, know. And, yeah. like, her search for identity takes a back, back, back seat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the main drive of the character up to a certain point just suddenly goes out the window. Not needed anymore. We're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like with the script that he had, he filmed it really well. Yes. So, yeah, I'm going to say two and a half stars. I think if it had an ending, I might have even gone up to three, even though the script's so bad, because I feel like there's lots of moving parts that work quite well. Yeah. But, no, two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.